we are talking about storms today. You feel like that? Maybe you felt like that at some point in your life. Maybe you feel like that today. Maybe you felt like that, at, you know, or you know somebody feels like it. Just, just You're hanging on for dear life at the top of the wave and you're wondering, are you going to make it over? Or are you going to flip backwards and go right back down the wave? There's a lot of storms that we have in life. There's storms that we can have with our finances. There's storms that we can have with our health. There's storms that we can have in our careers. Storms we can have in our marriages. There's all kinds of storms that exist that go on in our lives. How do we handle these storms is what we want to talk about today. Acts chapter 27, the whole chapter is one big whopping mega storm. The entire chapter from start to finish is about a storm that the Apostle Paul was in. First thing we're going to do is talk about how you get into a storm. What exactly leads us? There's all kinds of ways into a storm. And then we're talk about how we can deal with storms. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, uh, for your word. I thank you that you speak to us about things that are so relevant to our lives, like storms. There are those of us in this room that are in a storm right now, and we need help. Others of us, we've just exited a storm, and we need recovery. And then there's others of us. Some of us know it, and some of us have no idea, but we're getting ready to launch right into a storm. And wherever we are on that, God, speak to us today, encourage us, give us hope and strength. In Christ's name, amen. How do we get into storms? Well, first of all, because storms just happen. They exist. Storms exist. Jesus says that in this life, there is going to be trouble. Sooner or later, we're going to come bumping into a storm. There's going to be a problem. There's going to be something that we face somewhere along the way. The Apostle Paul and his crew going through a really bad storm. We have a map. Actually, I need can you one more time with the lights. Let's try to point this out real quick. Uh, you see, I want to show you where this all started. This started in Jerusalem, actually. Paul was accused. He was maligned. He was lied about. He was arrested. So he's put in chains. They tried to kill him before he ever got to the town of Caesarea. So they take him down to Caesarea. He's in jail for there two years. He's talking to all kinds of people about his case. And he appeals to Caesar. And so they send him to Rome eventually. And that's after a two-year wait here. So he takes off. And you see this little map. And they're sailing. They're going away. They're buffeted by all kinds of small storms along the way. And they eventually made it to this island of Crete. Right here to this, island, to this place, this city here in Crete called Fair Havens. And here's where something really important happens in Fair Havens. They're having a discussion because it's the time of, it's the time of year in which storms happen and they're trying to decide should they launch out one more time and try to make it over to this harbor here called Phoenix, which is much better than where they are. They're trying to decide should they do this. So the captain of the ship and the owner of the ship and the sailors and the centurion, the centurion is the ranking officer of the ship because it's actually a government ship that they're on, so he supersedes everybody. He's trying to figure out what's the best thing to do, and they all say the best thing to do is to move on to go to Phoenix. And Paul, the prisoner, is just kind of sitting close by, and he kind of slips his hand up a little bit. He says, you know, if I could make a suggestion, I don't think it's a good idea. Well, nobody listens to him. So they decide to go, and it's actually only like a day's journey from here to here, but they get out just a little bit, and all of a sudden, wham, this huge storm hits them. And we're told for the next 14 days, they can't see sun or stars, so they can't navigate. They're sailing blindly, have no idea where they're going. And in actuality, we know what happens to them, though they didn't know, is they were being just hurtled along the Mediterranean Sea. 
They were so afraid that they were going to run into this thing down here called the Great Sergis, which is like a, a graveyard for ships. So they're flying blindly through the sea and 14 days into it, God speaks to Paul and says, everything's going to be okay. And he gets up and they hadn't eaten any food for 14 days. He says, hey, guys, God spoke to me. Everything's going to be okay. And here's this prisoner in chains. And, you know, are they going to listen to this guy? He says, everything's going to be okay. We're all going to make it. We're all going to make it safe. You know, we're going to run into some island. And that's exactly what they do. The next morning, the sun comes up and they could see. They actually took soundings. So they knew that it was getting more shallow. And they run into this little island of Malta over here, this little tiny speck. And it just so happens they hit it. They're there. They're shipwrecked on that island for like three months. And then they hop on another ship and they make it. And you see they go between Sicily and Italy. And they eventually sail right into the Bay of Naples, which is very close to Naples where pizza was actually created for those pizza lovers. And Pompeii. And they, they're from the rest of the trip. They go on foot all the way up to Rome. And... Um, Life in Rome is never the same. Thanks, Doug, so much. Because the Apostle Paul made it. Some of the reasons we run into storms is because they happen. Another reason we run into storms is because we're impatient. So they have this major conference here and and, in Fairhaven should they continue on. Why did they continue on? One of the reasons they continued on is they were behind schedule. They were impatient. You know what? I find myself getting into storms in my life sometimes just because I'm impatient. I want to make a decision right now. Let's go. Here's the thing we have to remember. If you can ever in a situation back up from a decision that you have to make, process it, sleep on it, think about it, talk to somebody about it, give it time, not make the decision right away. Even sometimes when we're in conversations with other people and you can feel things starting to get a little amped up, you know what I'm talking about? You feel like the little thing in your neck there is going and you want to say something kind of harsh or whatever. You know, sometimes it happens. Some people tell me that happens with husband and wife relationships. It doesn't happen in mine, but it happens with some people and you get all kind of amped up. If you ever are in a decision, you're ever in a situation where maybe it's a good idea to back up for a second and you can do that do it do it because it always uh, don't get yourself sometimes i'm so impatient there's no reason for me to be impatient every time i make an impatient decision a rust decision it pretty much always turns out really bad it says isaiah 28 16 whoever believes will not act hastily one thing that strikes me about this and i'll keep coming back to this paul in this storm is everybody around him is freaking out rightfully so you're in a storm for 14 days and you think you're going to die. You start to freak out a little bit. You panic. You get a lot of fear. In front, even if you're a seasoned sailor. But Paul, in comparison to everybody else, was like rock-solid calm. Because he had a belief. He had a belief. So, next reason why we get into storms is because bad advice. It says, but the centurion in that little conference they had at Fairhavens. The centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the, pap, uh, the pilot and the owner of the ship. Well, that only makes sense, right? I mean, these are the guys that know. How would Paul know what the right thing to do is? You know, we're going to be sometimes as good as the advice around us. Remember back in high school when you sometimes were hanging out with the wrong crowd of people? You chose the wrong section of the class to sit in where all the jokers were sitting. Did anybody besides me do that? You know, who didn't listen, who didn't pay attention. How did your grades turn out as a result? Did it, did it impact you in any way? The people we choose to put around us is very important. We know what it's like to bump into unwise counselors and the impact that that can have on us. What happens when we surround ourselves with what? Here's a great thing to pray about. God, 
would you please constantly surround me with wise counselors? And could you somehow keep all the unwise ones away? Bad advice. Last thing about how we get ourselves into storm is because we simply need to wise up. We need to wise up. We need to break the cycle of the wrong stuff happening over and over again. Check this out. Acts 27, it says, Paul advised them saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage is going to end in disaster. That word perceived there in the Greek is a very specific word. It means to perceive something through experience. Through experience. You know how many shipwrecks at this point in Paul's life that he had had? Three. He's getting ready to have his fourth. So if somebody knows about shipwrecks, this is the guy that you want to talk to. He knows the deal. And through experience, he's like, I don't want to go through this again. I can see the cycle. We're getting ready to go into another shipwreck. You know what? Sometimes in my life, I just keep going right through the same dumb cycles of making the same. Like I get done with something. I say, I never want that to happen with me again. But I don't break the cycle. And you know what I find? A week or a month or a year or whatever. Here I am doing the same thing again. I need to say, God, would you please help me? to break this cycle, to learn from past experiences. For those of you who are in a storm right now, here's a great thing for you to pray if you're in a storm right now. God, teach me everything there is to learn right now about this storm I'm going through because when I hit the next one, when I'm done with this one, I hit the next one, I want to be a whole lot smarter the second time around or the third or the fourth. Teach me. Teach me as much as I can learn because I just want to keep going through it over and over and over again. I want to get better. Paul's getting better and better, and we can do the same thing. Okay, that's what I want to say about getting into a storm. Now, what happens when you're in it? How in the world, How is it that Paul is so rock solid compared to everybody else? I got four things. First of all, you got to know this when you're in a storm, that God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. Scriptures are really clear about that. God has a plan for your life. I know a lot of people love that scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. Does anybody know what it says? I, behold, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to do what? Give you a future and a hope. Give you a per- Guys, I was having a conversation with uh, Josh, who was up here, the tap dancer or whatever we said about him. He was up here a few minutes ago. You know, he loves that scripture and he was... He was saying to me that somebody bursted his bubble recently and said, you know what, that, that scripture is not, God's not talking specifically to you. God's talking to another group of people. Well, I said, well, that's true. But you know what, there's a principle that runs through the Bible. That God has a plan for us. That's clear. Adam, God had a plan for Adam. God had a plan for Abraham. Noah, Moses, Hannah, Mary. On and on, God has plans. Do you think you're any different? There's a principle in the Bible that God has a plan for you. Do you believe it? Do you accept it? Are you rock solid with that? Because sometimes when we're in the midst of the storm, we think that God has no plan for us. We're discouraged. We're fearful. We feel like we're all alone and God's completely forgotten about us. The reason Paul can stay rock solid, he knows God has a plan for him. And you've got to know the same thing for you. God has a plan for you. No matter what you think about that, no matter if you reject that, whatever, God has a plan for you. It's important to know that. So, Paul here, Acts 27, he's praying. They've been 13 days into this thing. He goes before God and here's what he stands up in front of the sailors the next day and he says, he says, last night an angel of the God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid. He's looking at all these people who are just scared. 
says, Paul, you must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island, which they did, which was Malta. They ran aground. God, Paul knew that God had a plan for him and so he could be confident in that moment because God had a plan. Mistakenly through my life, and I have talked about this before, I, for some reason, just thought because if God had a plan for me, everything was just going to turn out okay. Like the storms weren't going to really be that bad. Here's the thing we need to know about God's plans. God's plans in your life are usually attacked. Normal basis, God's plan for your life is usually attacked. They have this big conference, right, at Fair Havens. They're trying to make the decision, should we go or should we stay? Should we stay here? Everybody says, let's go. Paul says, I think we should stay. Is anybody listening to the prisoner, Paul? No, nobody's listening to the prisoner, Paul. Everybody's listening to somebody else because all the other advice is that we go. Which one was God's will? Was God's will go or stay? Seems to me, and the implication of it, Paul's speaking, he seems to be the person closest to God, is that he was speaking God's will, we should stay. And sure enough, they run themselves right into this huge hurricane. God's will is normally fought against. So some of us are here today and you've been praying about something for a long time and you've been wondering, does God have his hand on your life? Is God leading your life? Does God see you? When you pray about your financial situation or your marriage or your lack of a marriage or your need for healing, you're wondering, man, is that, is what you need to know is that there is an enemy of your soul fighting tooth and nail to drown you in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea so that God's plan never comes true for you. The devil wanted to put Paul at the bottom of the sea. So God's will was not being done and God's fighting tooth and nail for God's will to be done. Next, God is your protector. God has a plan for you and God wants to protect you. Let me read this verse and I want to explain it. It says, the soldiers planned to kill all the prisoners, which Paul was one and to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out what, notice that word, their plan. There's a bunch of plans going on here. One's God's and there's a whole bunch of others. So what's happening here? So there's other prisoners on the ship besides Paul. There's 276 people on this boat. That's a pretty good boat. 276, a bunch of them are prisoners. So the deal was, is that a prisoner escapes, it's life for a life means whoever soldiers in charge of that prisoner, well, he's got to die. So they're getting ready to land on Malta, have this big shipwreck, and so the cry goes out, abandon ship, everybody jump overboard. So what are the soldiers thinking? Man, how am I going to keep track of my guy? How am I, I going to, you know, is he going to make it? You know, I, I might as well kill him now because that's easier than me getting killed later. It seems like a better deal for me. So let me just kill the guy I'm in charge of. So they were going to go and just slaughter all the prisoners. It only made sense. It only made sense for the centurion. Why do I, I mean, it's my life or Paul's life, and my life is more important than Paul's life, right? So I'm going to kill him. But this guy steps up and he protects Paul and all the other prisoners. He says, no, he thwarts their plan. God is our protector. Psalm 91, listen to these words. It says, those who go to God most high for safety will be protected by the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, you are my place of safety and protection. You are my God and I trust you. God will save you 
from hidden traps and deadly diseases. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you can hide. His truth will be your shield and protection. You will not fear any danger by night or an arrow during the day. The Lord is your protection. You have made God most high your place of safety. He has put his angels in charge of you to watch over you wherever you go. The Lord says, whoever loves me, I will save. I will protect those who know me. I will protect those who know me is the sentiment of this entire text. They will call to me and I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. What is that saying? That God wants to protect us, but we've got to stay close to God. God is like our bodyguards, bodyguard on some level. What do you want to do when you're in danger? Run away from your bodyguard. You want to stay close. And here's what I do when I get in a storm. Sometimes I get mad at God. I get frustrated with God. And so I walk away from God. I stop talking to God. That's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to walk on the other side of the street from God. I want to stay right next to the person who is going to protect me. That's exactly what we want to do. Some of us here this morning need protection. Some of us are in difficult situations. I don't mean your life is at risk. I hope not. But some of us might be in situations where we're being talked about or we're being misrepresented or we're in a hurtful situation or a painful situation. And what you've got to know is that God wants to protect you. It's really clear through Scripture that God wants to fight for us. He wants to fight for us. Thirdly, God is your provider. It says, when daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach. Today, that bay on the island of Malta is called called St. Paul's Bay because of St. Paul landing there. So they're hurtling along the Mediterranean Sea. They're sailing blindly. They can't see sun. They can't see stars. They've been at this thing for 14 days. They're wiped out. We're told they hadn't eaten in 14 days. They are completely wrung out. They're afraid of going into this ship's graveyard that they've all heard about. And there's this little tiny speck of land in the Mediterranean Sea, and they just so happen to run right into it. It's clear throughout Scripture that God is a provider. God provides at times in Scripture food. He provides water. He provides money. He provides a relationship. He provides healing. And the list goes on and on and on that God is a provider. Genesis chapter 22, we're told that one of the names of God is is that he is Jehovah Jireh. Does anybody know what that means, Jehovah Jireh? It means God is our provider. It is the very name of God. God is a God of provision. He provides for us. God wants to provide for us. Now, let me say this. Every now and then, this does not happen often to me in my life, okay? But every now and then, what what I'm getting ready to share with you happens to me, and it happened to me this past week. I always pray, God, do you, I mean, do you want to do anything different, anything special in the service day? You know, what do you want to do? A lot of times, it's just nothing. Just what, you know, (laughs) nothing's coming back. No, just go with the plan. So I uh, was thinking about the service this week. I'm thinking about storms. I'm thinking about, you know, we all have storms in our lives. Some of us have really tough storms. Some of us not so tough storms. But, you know, we're all experiencing storms. This came back to me so clearly. I felt like God said, this is what I want you to do this Sunday. I want you to say to people, what do you need from God? I want to provide for them. What do you need from God? I thought, wow. So I contacted the prayer team. and said, hey, look, we want to pray at the end of the service this week and can you come and join me? What do you need from God? That's what I want to say to you. What do you need from God? Now, that was on Friday. On Saturday morning, I'm out early and I'm driving down the road. 
I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about saying to everybody, I felt so charged about, what do you need from God? God wants to provide for you. And the thought hit me, ooh, that's kind of a strong statement, isn't it? Hey, what if people like really get their hopes up and then like nothing comes to pass and then my mind just starts going and just, I'm thinking, I can't do that. I can't, there's no way I'm going to say that. I said, finally, in the midst of it, I said, God, what do you think about all those thoughts just ran through my mind like a whirlwind? And God spoke back to me one word. He said, wimp. <laughs> and I knew exactly what he meant. If you're anything like me, Maybe a few moments ago when I said that to you, that God is our provider and God wants to provide for you. And God is saying today that what do you need from God? Come forward and be prayed for. The thought hits you at first like, yes. I need something from God. And then a few moments later, maybe the thought hits you, oh, it's not going to happen for me. What I want to simply say to you is, is God is your provider. The scripture is clear about that. And I have just for some reason feel strongly today that in the next few moments when we end this service, after I go through this last point, what do you need from God? God wants to provide for you. And to take the risk and to stand up and come up and say a brief prayer. Now, I got one other point, then we're going to close this out. And this is this. And this is kind of a really neat one. This is what has just, actually for the past four weeks, this thing is just, I've just been amazed by this. God is your promoter. God is the glory and the lifter of your head. God is your promoter. James 4.10 says this. Is, Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. Now, here's the thing. Paul, everybody, is a prisoner. This story, we're at in Acts 27, it started a couple years prior in Jerusalem where Paul, as I said earlier, was slandered, he was maligned, he was lied about, all this stuff. He was mistreated, he was jeered at, he was humiliated, he was disrespected, he was thrown into chains, took him down to Caesarea. On the way, a bunch of people tried to kill him. He made it through. Guy hadn't done anything to hurt anybody, but anyway, here he is. Now he gets on a boat. Now he's in the middle of this huge storm. He gave, he gave his, you know, he said that before they went into the storm. He says, look, I don't think it's a good idea. But nobody listened to him because he's disrespected. A prisoner is disrespected. It's humiliating what this guy is going through. Paul is the smartest guy on the ship. He had a doctorate degree by the time he was 21 years of age. This guy is incredible and he's humiliated. He's disrespected. You know what it's like when things go bad for you in your life? When something, like, you can't get a job. You lose your job. You get fired from your job. What do you think when you walk down the street? You think everybody who looks at you is looking at you saying, loser. They don't even know you. <laughs> loser, you just lost your job. Yet the humiliation is unbelievable. Here's Paul. He's a prisoner. Disrespected. Humiliated. Now here's the amazing thing, everybody. The Bible tells us that God is the glory and the lifter of our heads. The Bible tells us to humble ourselves before God and he will lift us up. Now, we can go two routes with this. We can, in that kind of situation, we can say to ourselves, you know what? Life really stinks. And I'm just going to allow my mind to go with that. I'm just going to be depressed. I'm going to be down. Everything I talk about is going to be about how bad my life is. If you come across me and you tell me about your storm, what am I going to say back to you? Your storm is nothing. Let me tell you about my storm. My storm is really bad. You got 100 mile an hour winds, I got 160. Anything you say, I can top. And life is bad. And there's a cloud hanging over my head. You know, I can just mope. 
Or I can come over here and I can say, you know what? My own pride, I'm going to dig my way out of this pit that I'm in. I'm going to do it myself. And you know what I found in my life? Because I've tried both ways. Neither one of them work. The Bible tells us when we're trying to lift our own selves out of that pit, it says, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. God wants to be the glory and lift our heads, and we need to go to God with all this. So here's the cool thing about Paul. This guy starts out as a prisoner. And nobody's listening to him and nobody's respecting him. And you know what happens by the end of the story, everybody? You know what happens when they're in the midst of the storm and you're looking to the captain to say, oh, we're going to do this or that or give out orders or the centurion giving out. The only person giving out orders is the apostle Paul and everybody on the ship is listening to him. That's God. That's the kind of God that we serve who will lift you up when you feel disrespected and mistreated and humiliated, God will be the glory and the lifter of your head. That's God. Never forget that. Stay close with God. He has a plan for you. He wants to protect you. He wants to provide for you. And He wants to promote you. Now, I'm going to end in a word of prayer. And... Uh, dismiss and free to go. But if you want to come up, if there's something that you need from God, I want to encourage you to come up for a very brief prayer. You can tell us, the prayer team, what it is you're praying about. You can say nothing at all. I could care less. God knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what you need. But I just want to say this. And you're sitting here this morning and you're debating in your mind whether or not to come up. Man, don't, don't allow a 20-foot walk to stand between you and whatever it is God wants for you, okay? Let's pray. Lord, uh, you are good. We thank you. You are gracious and kind, and you get us through storms. Father, I want to pray for everybody in this room right now who's battling a deep storm in their life. There's pain, there's frustration, there's humiliation, there's confusion. There's all kinds of stuff going on in this room. Father, I thank you that you spoke your word today that you want to provide for us whatever we need, that God, you want to deliver it. Father, I pray that you would bless and protect us. I pray, Father, that you would make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. I pray for every person in this room, Father, that you would lift up your countenance upon us and grant us your peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. God bless you. If you want prayer, come up. If not, everybody have a wonderful day.